Well, I want to continue. Last week, I had the opportunity to share my heart uh, on what was going on in our country and in our nation. And if you would allow me, I'd like to tag on to that and wrap that up uh, this morning, if you will. So let me pray as we, as we open up and as we ask God to be with us today. Father, we thank you today, Lord. And Father, would you come and be here with us? Would you let your words be spoken? And would you open our hearts to receive your truth? And so we ask for the Holy Spirit in this moment to rest and abide in this place. It's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm often asked about the race issue in our country. And I've really come to the conclusion, people ask me, Pastor Hill, do you think it'll ever get better? Do you think it'll ever go away? And quite honestly, I have to give them an honest answer and tell them I'm not quite sure it will. Will we ever have a society where there's no murder? Will we ever have a society where there's no theft? Will we ever have a society where there's no anger? Our desire is to see it go away, but I can't promise you in our society that it will. But I can tell you this, and what I do believe wholeheartedly, is that within the body of Christ, it can. In the body of Christ, every believer should aspire to be a light to society in the hope that the gospel gives us. And one of my favorite passages that reflects this and that encourages me all the time is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I want to read some of that to you this morning. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk, this is Paul speaking, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of all who is over all and through all and in all. If you weren't here last week, last week I had the opportunity to express the pain and the hurt that so many African Americans have experienced and are experiencing in this season. I talked about what that death reflected and often reminded many of us of a time long ago when black lives were devalued, thought less of. I was sharing with some brothers this week, there was a time when if you were stopped and taken to police in this country as an African-American, you can never be heard from again. There are stories that are passed along in black families, and people will tell you there were times when people ran up in their houses and snatched men out of their homes, never to be seen from again. Only to be found, or sometimes to be found, lynched somewhere in the rural parts of the city. Bodies burned alive. And people would do this and then go sit down and have dinner with their family. Go have drinks with the guys. And so when many African Americans saw the death 
and saw the life taken from George Floyd in the manner in which it was. It hearkened their heart back. It broke their souls open. It reminded them and took us to a place, boy, when our lives were only thought of like that. And so thus you see great pain and anger and anguish. And so I talked about last week and all this week, in that pain, in that suffering, would you bear with us? Would you, would you just give us some time and would you stand with us? And, and I know it might be tough in this season, but if you've ever been around somebody hurting that's gone through something traumatic, we all understand that we just have to give them a little time right now. We just got to give them a little time right now. What they're saying may not be their normal selves. What their actions that they're displaying may not be what they normally say and do, but they're hurting. Let's just give them some time and allow them to come around and heal in the Lord to minister. Because even in the body of Christ, I was sharing with you last week, and our, one of our core values is racial reconciliation. And, and the Lord has impressed on my heart many years ago, and I've been walking in this and preaching reconciliation, and that we got to love one another. But I was sharing with the church last week, even for a moment in my own heart, when I saw what took place with him, knowing he was from this community, having being knowing his family, and knowing the other young men that I mentored and coached in his, in his group, in his age group, and, and working in the CUNY homes and working at the YMCA and knowing them the way I do, there was something in my heart that said, I want to let go of the rope too. This is too much. But I also shared that even in that hurt, even in that pain, I heard the Lord's voice say, David, I know you're hurting, and I know many are hurting, but am I still Lord of your life? Is victory still through me? Is your hope and trust still in me? And with tears in my heart, I had to say, yes, Lord, it is. But I am hurting. And so I just say that, that there are many folks who may not be themselves right now. Would you just stand with us right now? Would you just be with us and allow us to grieve as we work our way through the process? And I do believe this week, as they proceed with the, they've had many marches and as they proceed with the funeral, I think we will begin to move to a place of healing in our hearts. But I want to say this, that any conversation that begins on the subject of race reconciliation and responsibilities in the body of Christ must be undertaken with a heart of spiritual unity, producing humility, gentleness, and patience as we work through racial reconciliation. I like to call it HGP, humility, gentleness, and patience. Humility, gentleness, and patience. There is no chance for true healing and reconciliation if there is no true standard. And God and his word must be that true standard. Even in my own heart, with what I struggle and, and, and battle with, and even before George Floyd, I'll be honest with you, if you will allow me to. There are things about race that I still have to work through and go to God regularly on my, in my heart about. 
I have ongoing struggles racially in my own heart. I, I hope you love me enough that you will not judge me and, and, and be too critical of me. But there are issues that I have to battle long before this situation that I have to wrestle with. I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, help my heart in this. I st I'm struggling with this. But I say that because there has to be a true standard if we're going to be reconciled. If we're going to be reconciled, reconciled to what? It's got to be reconciled to a truth that is uncompromising and all-knowing. And Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. He has to rule over all. In every situation, in every predicament, in all of our lives, in the body of Christ, he must rule. And so, if I'm feeling guilty, he's got to rule. If I'm feeling angry, he's got to rule. No matter where I may find myself, he has to rule. And so, one of the questions that I have received multiple days every day of this week, Pastor Hill, what can we do? But mostly for my white brothers and sisters. Pastor Hill, what can we do? What am I supposed to be doing? What, what, what's my responsibility? I, I, I'm late to the game in this. Some were confessing that this has not been on my radar, and I'm blindsided by this. Others who have been walking in this for some while but still wondering, like, I thought we were making progress. I thought things were getting better. Uh, but now I see this, and I just wonder, what can we do, Pastor Hill? And I want to tell you, as brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a role to play. There is a role for you to play in this. But you got to play the right role. And so for a moment, if I could, talk to my Anglo brothers and sisters for just a moment. I want to talk to you this morning. Because there is a role for you to play. But I want to tell you this. You cannot do what God can do. You cannot do for black America what only God can do for black America. You know, early on in my marriage, early, early on, my marriage, let me just tell you something, my marriage is as close to perfect as it can be. My wife is the greatest thing since sliced bread. She is so easy and so easy to love. I thank God every day, Lord, how, would you, how could you grace me like this? But a long time ago, one time, just one time. But a long time ago, early on in our marriage, we were having a bit of a struggle. And I was trying to figure out, I knew my wife was hurting and I was trying to love her. And I was trying to figure this thing out. And I was trying to do any and everything I could to love this woman, to, to figure out why she was hurting and what it was that she was going through. And it seemed no matter what I tried to do, it, it wasn't getting through, it wasn't working, it wasn't helping her any. And I tried this and I tried that, and man, I would cry and I would weep and I would pray, Lord, what, I don't understand. And then one day, she called me. And she said, David, 
I want to apologize to you because you, I was asking and you've been trying to do for me what only God could do. The hurt that's in me or the thing that I'm dealing with, only God can fix that. And I know you've been trying and I'd probably be even looking to you some, but I'm asking you to forgive me because it has to come from him. And that has always taught me a lesson, and I think it's prevalent today as I talk to my white brothers and sisters about what you can do. The first thing you can do is not be God. You cannot do what only God can do. So then, that, then you ask yourself, so where does that leave me? Where, where can I, what, is, what do I do? But I want to tell you, whites alone cannot heal the heart of pain, anger, rejection, and disappointment that many blacks or African Americans still feel and experience. Only God can do it. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The best thing, the first thing you can do for black America is pray. For us as a culture, and that we would find Christ in all that we do. Because only he has the power to heal the broken heart. Only he has the power to heal anger. You know this because he's done, for, done it for many of you. And so the first thing you can do is pray. Pray for your brothers and sisters of African-American descent. But that doesn't mean you should sit by idly and do nothing. That does not absolve you from assuming any responsibility and having no engagement with the issues at hand. And how you engage is critical. It's very important. Your African-American brothers and sisters need to know that you are with them, need to see you and feel you in these moments. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to tell you what you, you can do because I really feel like that has to come from the Lord. I really feel everyone has to seek their own heart. It could be easy for me to sit here and tell you, you need to give more money. You need to give more time. You need to give this. You need to do that. You need to do that. But God has to tell you that in your own heart. He has to move on you and say, this is what I have called you to do. But I, I will tell you this. I will tell you how you should do it. From my experience and what I've been able to learn in walking through some of this. And it really, it goes right along with our acronym HGP. Whatever you do, however you do it, do it with humility. You should listen more than you speak. As I shared before, one of the main issues in our country and one of the main things that many African Americans experience and feel is that people listen, but they don't hear. We've been speaking for years about things and people listen, but they don't hear. See, hearing is a little different from listening because you can listen to me and at the same time be making a counter argument as I'm speaking, which presents you from hearing. 
But it's, it's different when you listen to hear because when you listen to hear, it sits with you differently. Let me, let me, let me give you an analogy here. Got this medicine ball here. I'm not going to put nobody on the spot. I might. I just might. This thing weighs a little bit. My brother, come here, my man. I'm going to put you on the spot. You right here. Come on. Forgive me. My brother, tell me your name. Jack. All right, Jack, stand right here for me, right? So this is Jack. Jack, man, I need to tell you some things about how I grew up in this country. Man, I was regularly in high school. There were a group of guy, white guys on my team that regularly used the N-word, and it hurt me for years. Um, there were times when I would come in uh, and see a picture of an African with a bone in his nose with my name under it on the, in the locker room on the chalkboard. It hurt me in my heart, man. I carried it for many years. And I'm sharing this with you, man, because I want, I, want I want you to hold that for me. As a, as a black man, and I share this with him, I've just taken some weight out of my heart, and I put it on him. Now, this ball got some weight to it, doesn't it? Now, I'm going to ask you to just carry that. If you hold that for a while, it's going to get uncomfortable, isn't it? Now, if you might be, you're in shape. You look pretty good. You, you, you probably can hold it for 30 minutes, 15 minutes. But after an hour or two hours, it's going to start to weigh on you, and you're going to want to what? Put it down. And what your, what your African-American brothers and sisters want you to know is this weight I never get to put down. I never get to put it down. I have to carry it with me all the time. And so I've got to learn how to walk in it and not let it weigh me down. And I have to go to the Lord regularly and say, Lord, I got to give it to you. But the enemy, when, when I see what happens with George Floyd, the enemy comes and says, here, man, let me, let me, you remember what happened to you? Remember what happened to you back in high school? I told you, man, nothing changed. Here go that weight again. And I got to struggle with this weight again. I got to give it back to the Lord. But what we want our brothers and sisters to know is, man, when I come and share with you, I know that I'm putting some of this weight on you. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. But I need you to go to the Lord with me. And let's give it to him together. See, because when I come to you, amen, when I come and give it to you, I'm not trying to weigh you down. But I got to share this thing with somebody. But together, we can give it to the Lord. And I can walk free, and you can walk free. But it's going to be uneasy. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to be uncomfortable. And to my wife, thank you, brother. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And so what I'm saying is, there's some, if you're going to walk in racial reconciliation and you're going to do it in a, in a spirit of humility, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel the weight of it. And that uncomfortability is tough. But if you can sit in that with us, you'll understand a little bit of what it's like. You know, I shared last week in the body of Christ, uh, years ago when I was doing a Bible study with Amanda Craig, 
with some African-American people, and I was sharing with them about our history and about what had taken place with us. And when I looked up and I saw her crying, and as I began to talk with her, it was the first time that I realized that my white brothers and sisters in Christ were also carrying a weight. The weight of my ancestry had some role in this. And I had never looked at it like that. I'd only looked at it from the pain of my heart. But I'd never thought about what it must be like to be white and redeemed in Christ, but to know you had a lineage on the other side of this. And so we all have some weight and some, and some pain to carry in this thing. And we should all be sensitive to that. But to my white brothers and sisters, I say to you in the spirit of humility, if you get somebody who's willing to open up and share with you, I'm, I'm telling you, listen, but listen to hear. Don't listen to defend. Don't listen to excuse. But listen to hear. Take that weight and carry it with them together. You can also engage critically it's going to require gentleness. This issue of race, I get disappointed when I see people hollering and screaming at each other and, and just making outbursts at each other because this issue is so delicate. You almost, even before I begin to speak on it sometimes, you almost spiritually have to do like a doctor does before he goes into surgery. He doesn't just, or she doesn't just wash their hands. They, they, they wash all of their arms because this issue is so delicate, it's so sensitive that, that what I'm about to do, I'm about to go into something very, very sensitive. And so as I begin to talk about it, I want to make sure I don't contaminate and infect the situation. I want to bring healing to the situation. And the way you do that is by walking in gentleness. And this is on both sides, but I'm saying to, to those of you who, who may be wondering, how do I begin this? I'm humbly listening. I'm humbly coming and learning, but I'm also walking in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I'm not saying fear. I'm saying gentleness because that's the difference. See, gentleness, you can be who you are, but it's keeping it all under control. It's saying I'm, I'm coming into this situation delicately because I want to bring about the change I desire. And so you may hear things you've not heard before. You may be exposed to things you were not exposed to before. But I encourage you, as you make this journey, as you make this step, do it gently in the spirit that you may see God do a work. And the last one is patience. HGP, and this is the toughest, because in America, we've got, if we've, got, we've got a lot of weaknesses, but if we got one, it's give it to me now and give it to me fast. You know, I don't want to slow cook that, put it in the microwave, I need it in five minutes. You know what I'm saying? I'm hungry right now, I want it right now. And if you can't deliver it, I'm going to somebody else who can. All right? That's our, that's our deal. But here's the deal with this one, y'all. This one is slow smoke. This one is slow smoke. It's going to require patience. No quick fixes. 
Many whites must accept to learn and to walk with the reality that this may not happen quickly and the healing process has ups and downs. And success and failure, and, and success and failure, and will, will and will require plenty of HGP. The truth is the reality that most blacks have had to learn with all their lives. See, as African Americans, we've had to learn how long is it gonna be like this? We've had to learn to be patient. We've had to learn to walk the long walk. Because the stories that my grandmother told, stories that my parents have told me, now I've ha I have stories to tell my children. It's been a long walk. Now, don't get me wrong. Major progress has been made. And, and let me just say this, y'all. I'm a black man through and through. My great-great-great-granddaddy was black. Great-great-great-grandmama was black. Great greats were black, greats were black, my grandmother's granddad were black, parents black, wife is black, children are black. I'm as black as it can be. Okay? The DNA test says I'm 96% African. I told them on the next census, I'm not even putting African American, I'm just putting African. So I'm as, I'm as black as black can be. Now, I can't speak for all black people, but I can speak as a black person. I love this country. I love this country. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Let me tell you something. My ancestors paid too heavy price for me to walk away from this country. They paid their price in blood, in, in death, in sacrifice. They did what every other American has done. From slavery to world, from, from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to World War I, II, Spanish, you name it, they died in it. They paid every price that could be paid. I'll never walk away from the inheritance I have in this great country. And this country is not perfect. It has its flaws. But I believe in what it was intended to be. I believe in its values. Now, the men who have carried those values out over the years are flawed men. And you have that in every situation. But what was written on that paper is what Dr. King said. Be true to what you said on paper. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that you couldn't ask for anything better than that. But living up to the standard is what's proven the problem. And so we've all, as black folks, we've had to learn to walk in patience as we believed in hope for a better day. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe it is a better day. I might be in a minority, but I'm going to tell you something. I look out on the streets. I, I see more white people boycotting and protesting than black folks. Something is different. The worst thing you can be called in this day and time is a racist. Nobody wants that title. Nobody's proud of that moniker. So there has been progress. Now, are we there yet? We know we're not. But in the body of Christ, as we seek this, it's going to take patience, y'all. 
I've got to be patient with you. And you've got to be patient. I, you know, you've got to be patient with me. And here's what I've been telling a lot of my Anglo brothers as I've had phone calls. I said, listen, if we're going to do this, i got to know that you can be real with me and I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be patient with you. If you say something that could be offensive, I'm not going to call the race police on you and turn you in. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to put my arm around you and say, hey, brother, you may have not meant that, or you may not even understand what that means, but let me tell you how that lands in the ear of your brother. You see? And as African Americans, we can't have white folks so scared to be to share their heart with us because they're, they're afraid that you're going to say, I always knew you was a racist. I knew it. You've been holding it, hiding it, but it slipped out. When you said this, that's what you were. Shame on us if we do that in the body of Christ. Shame on us. And I know a lot of black folks don't want me to say that, but I don't serve black folks. I serve a God, and I serve my Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I love black folks. That's why I married me one. You know what I'm saying? Now, I love black folks, man. That's my people. You know what I'm saying? But I, can't, I serve God. I serve the truth. I serve his standard. And I'm going to tell you, in the body of Christ, if you flippantly call your brother racist, you are wrong. Because I really believe that's a heart issue. Somebody could do something. I tell people all the time, I've not met very many racists in my life. I've, very, I've met some racially insensitive people. And I've met some ignorant people. And I've met some racists, but not that many. Most of them have been insensitive or ignorant. And when you put your arm around them and tell them, brother, sister, let me just talk to you and tell you. I've done this I don't know how many times. Tears begin to flow. Brother, I'm so sorry. I did not intend that. I did not understand. Could you please forgive me? That's not the heart of a racist. That's the heart of a brother and sister in the Lord that's convicted and understands and now knows my ignorance and my blind spot has been revealed. And don't worry, I have a list for my, I got a list of a talk like this for African Americans as well. They just used to hearing it. I'm used to talking to black folks and those are the ones I'm the hardest on. But today, since I got so many questions on this, I wanted to speak to some of these things. This thing requires us to walk in humility. To be gentle and have patience. Because here's the deal. To my Anglo brothers and sisters, as I wrap up with this, the goal is not to replace God, but to be used by God. This is a heart issue and must be done before the Lord. And here's what you got to ask yourself. What are your motives? Who gets the glory? Whose need is really being met? If you're going to step into this thing, the question is, what's your motivation for doing it? Do you really have a heart of reconciliation? Or is there an arterial motive? You just want to get some guilt off your heart. Who gets the glory? Do you care if you go viral in your moment? 
or, or does it matter if it's just you and one brother in the corner of a parking lot and nobody else ever finds out? And you and that brother are reconciled now. Is that enough for you? Or does everybody on Facebook have to see it? Does it have to blow up on Instagram for you to feel like, man, I, I did something great? What are your motives? And who gets the glory? Is it enough for just God to know? And for it to be recorded when you stand before him in, 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 in eternity one day? And lastly, whose need is really being met? Are you doing it because you really want healing or to meet a need? Or are you doing it because it makes you feel better? Because it helps you sleep at night. I'm telling you, these are questions you got to ask yourself. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I will tell you what you ought to consider before you do and when you do. You know, I'm going to tell you a story. There was a woman one day, there was a volunteer group in the neighborhood, typical suburban group. Uh, of whites who would come in the neighborhood, and they were serving on a Saturday morning. And like we typically have, some kids are out, you know, little kids up in the morning, they out running around unsupervised, just roaming the neighborhood, looking for something to do. So they see these whites out here uh, doing some service. So, you know, they walk, walk up, they're inquisitive, and they begin to talk, and, and uh, you know, most of the time, they don't have their best clothes on, raggedy shoes or whatever. It might be their play clothes. might be what they have. But I happened to be nearby one morning, and I saw the kids talking, and particularly there was a white lady who they were talking to. And as they began to talk, I could tell she was you know, feeling a lot of compassion and, and excited to be talking with them. And she looks at one of the boys and says, you know, you're so cute. I just love to take you home with me. And he looked at her and said, I live with my mama. I ain't going nowhere with you. <laughs> And, and, and it just capsulized to me, you can't be God. He has a home. He has love. Don't, let, don't just judge what you see on the surface and think it's something that it's not. Be used by God. Be a vehicle for God. But don't try to be God. And as I looked at her face, she was kind of like, she felt the rejection in the moment herself. I was like, oh, okay, okay. It's like, yeah, that's a good lesson, isn't it? <laughs> but many times whites have fallen into the trap of Savior, you know, only to experience more blame and rejection and frustration. So many whites have tried to do so much that it's too much, and then when they realize that still didn't work, they even feel worse. Man, I tried to do everything I can, and I'm still this? And I still get hammered for this? I still get blamed for this? I tried everything because the question is, what did you try and why did you try it? Did you go to the Lord? Were you a vehicle for God or were you trying to be God? We just, you just want to be a tool in God's hands. Because, see, here's the thing. The tool gets no credit. The vehicle gets no credit. All the glory goes to God. There's no Facebook likes. There's no Instagram glory. There's no Snapchat. What is it? Snapback? Snap what? 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, they, don't, they think I don't know nothing anyway, so I just play into it to make them feel good. <laughs> but, but listen, if we're going to be about reconciliation, y'all, if we're going to really walk this thing out, my brothers and sisters, on both sides, it's got to all be about him, and all glory has to be going to him. And, and I don't need, honestly, everybody don't have to know everything that God does wonderful in my life. I don't, need, I don't need to go viral on everything. Now, don't get me wrong. We posted everything we did out here on Wednesday. We want the world to see what's going on. There's an appropriate time for that. I'm not saying it's, not, it's, it's wrong. You be the judge in your heart with God. Allow the Lord to tell you, no, nah, this is a moment I just want for this. I just want to do something with you and, and maybe this person. And then he'll tell you, yeah, I want the world to see this. But I'm saying, if we never go to him, if we never include him in the process, how can, how can he receive the glory? And so I encourage you, humility, gentleness, and patience is what we're going to need. We're going to need it from our Anglo brothers, Hispanic brothers, Asian brothers. And, and we need it as African-American people. It's all one thing. We all have in the body of Christ. And here's what I hope, y'all. The world is going to do what the world does. They're going to function in division. They're going to function in hate. They're going to function in, in violence. The world is going to do that. But where is the city on a hill? Where is the light to the world? Where can they turn to and see, well, how is it that these folks are loving one another when these folks are out here killing one another? It's got to be the body of Christ, y'all. And if you and I can't figure it out in the body, where are they going to see it? So my pledge to you, and I hope your pledge is, to walk in humility, gentleness, and patience. We're not going to ignore what we see. Don't go silent on your brothers. Speak into that. Walk with them. I know it might be uncomfortable and you may not even know the words to say at times, but just say that you, you're with me. I love you. I know you're hurting and I'm with you. It means the world. And be, be patient with us in this season as we walk through a time of hurt and a time of pain. But let it not stop here. Let, it, let us go, go forward from here. Let it not be until another incident happens that we reach out to one another. The reason we made, you look on that back wall, reconciliation of races, it's a core value in this church. The reason why we made that, because we're not waiting until something happens to talk about this. We're going to lean into this ongoingly and regularly. We're going to talk about it on an ongoing basis, not just when the stove is boiling over. I encourage you in your, in your walk. Don't just talk about it right now. But a month from now, talk about it. Six months from now, talk about it. A year from now, be talking about it. The more we address it, the more we steal the thunder from the enemy in the body of Christ. Engage if you make relationships. Maintain them. Let the love of Christ keep us and guide us as we walk through this time. Let me pray for us. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, and we bless you. And so, Father, as we enter in another week that we know will be challenging, that we know will be difficult, and we know will bring emotion and anger and anguish, uncomfortability, would you give us humility? Would you help us to walk in gentleness and patience through the Holy Spirit? Father, would you help us to be a light to a world that needs to be lifted? But, Father, would you start with each and every individual in the body of Christ? Let us look in the mirror first. Do a work in our hearts first. Guide us and keep us. We need you in this hour. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, if you will. So again, I encourage you this week, be praying.